off and the clock has started. Well, this is just downright embarrassing. Uh, stop the music for a second. This is the point of the show where you would hear my announcer say, this is 20 minutes, you'll never get back. Then I would thank them, and then I would start the show. Um, I ran out of announcers. I don't have any more. Um, I'm not certain what to do. If uh, anybody listening would like to be uh, a guest announcer in the show, I'll tell you how to do that in just a minute. But in the meantime, I guess I will just have to do it myself. So, okay, go ahead and let's start up the music again. <clears throat> okay, I'm so nervous. <clears throat> this is 20 minutes you'll never get back. How was that? Hey, thank you, anonymous announcer. Uh, welcome to 20 minutes you'll never get back. My name is Doug Prezak, and I'd like to thank you for listening to this podcast. Also, uh, I want to make a special note here. We've had over 310 downloads so far. So thank you very much for listening to all these shows. I really do appreciate it. Now, here's some uh, some very special news. It's breaking news bulletin. I want to see if I can find some news bulletin music. One second. Here's the exciting news. 20 Minutes You'll Never Get Back now has a social media presence. I have no idea anything about social media. That whole face place and book to snap and all those different things. The only thing I know that TikToks is my grandfather's clock. So anyway, I uh, they everybody said, you know, podcast, you have to have a social media presence. So I hired a social media expert. She also happens to live with me. She's also a runner. Uh, and she set me up with a, a uh, Instagram thing. So I have an Instagram account where apparently you can follow me if you would like to do that. Uh, I'm glad you want to follow me. And if you want to figure out how to to do that, uh, here is the name. Unfortunately, 20 minutes was taken by somebody. I'm going to sue. So I have, are you ready for this? Get a pencil and paper. It's 20MYNGB. Isn't that clever? It's the number 20 and then M as in Mary. Why? No, it's actually M as in Minutes you'll never get back. 20 MYNGB. And I guess if you click on that, you can follow me. Thank you. Also, I have a website for uh, this podcast. It's a dedicated site. And the web address is www.20minutespodcast.com. That's the number 20 and then minutespodcast.com. The site has a list of show titles. It has the link to the podcast player. And it also has a contact form where you can contact me and tell me what you think or what you don't think or what else you're thinking or what you think I'm thinking, whatever you'd like. But this is also where if you would like to be a guest announcer for the show, my email address is there. All you have to do is just uh, record a audio text and then send it to me. All the instructions are right there, and you can uh, send it to me, and I'll put you on a future show. All you have to say, this is 20 minutes you'll never get back. It's just that easy. All right, now I think that's enough of that nonsense. I think it's time to uh, get the show rolling, so let's get started. If you've been in a store recently, and don't forget to wear your face mask, yeah, I'm, I'm sure you've seen the pile of boxes of candy 
and the assorted decorations that uh, all indicate to you that Halloween is coming. And because of that, and frankly, I didn't have a different topic, I thought we'd take this episode and talk about uh, the history of Halloween and some of the other things that wrap around Halloween, you know, like costumes and candy and decorations. So you know how this goes. I did the research, so you don't have to. You're welcome. Let's get going. We'll start with this, and that's the Western Church and the Feast of All Hallows, which traces back to Pope Gregory III in the mid-700s A.D. This was a three-day event celebrating the lives lost, the souls of the departed. Now, in 1835, Pope Gregory IV officially switched All Hallows Day to November 1st. Now, some people have suggested this was due to the Celtic influence, while others suggest it was a Germanic idea, although it's claimed that both the Germanic and the Celtic-speaking people commemorated the dead at the beginning of winter. So they sort of mished them all together onto November 1st. Now, although the phrase All Hallows is found in Old English, All Hallows Eve itself is not seen until 1556. Now, of course, if you have an All Hallows Day, you need to have an All Hallows Eve. Now, of note here, the Scottish word Eve is even. Over time, this got contracted to Ian or Ean. Keep that in mind. The word Halloween or Halloween dates back to 1745, and it's of Christian origin. The word Halloween means saint's evening. It comes from the Scottish term All Hallows' Eve, which is the evening before All Hallows' Day or All Saints' Day. Now, so just how did All Saints evolve into All Hallow? I'm glad you asked. That's because saints are also known as Hallows. You see how it all connects together? All Saints' Eve, All Hallows' Eve, All Halloween, Halloween. Now, it's widely believed that Halloween traditions originated from ancient Celtic harvest festivals, and there are those who believe that Halloween began solely as a Christian holiday, separate from the ancient festivities like the Gaelic festivals. I say, who cares? It's just Halloween. Before we get too deep into this, let's clarify something, if you don't mind. All those kids that come to your door, ring the doorbell, and you open the door, and they holler, trick-or-treat, yeah, you may call those trick-or-treaters. Now, the correct term are geysers. Now, I'm not talking about the kind where water comes spewing out of the ground, although out too long without a bathroom may prove differently. Uh, the details of why they're called geysers are coming up in just a bit. Now, the customary Halloween tradition is for uh, kids to go out, and these little geysers are all dressed up in costumes, and they go from house to house asking for treats such as candy or sometimes they get money and they ask the question trick or treat now that's kind of a harsh threat if you ask me i mean think about it uh they're saying trick or treat so if i don't succumb to them and pay the ransom of a candy bar i'm going to be subjected to their tricks now i'll admit i'm usually too afraid uh, i always pay off the ransom it's just easier to toss a, a little tiny mini three musketeers bar in their plastic orange pumpkin then uh, have to worry about the tricks they'll perpetrate on my house. The concept of this house-to-house -house mooching is said to have its roots in the medieval practice of mumming, 
which is closely related to souling, S-O-U-L-I-N-G. Mumming, practiced in Germany and Scandinavia and other parts of Europe, involved masked persons in a fancy dress who, quote, paraded the streets and entered houses to dance or play dice in silence. (laughs) How how would that work? Ding dong. Hello? Oh, oh, you want to come in? Oh, okay. Uh, You're dancing now. You want to play? I don't have any dice. I'm sorry. Oh, you brought your own dice and you're not speaking. Excellent. Uh, Just for your information, I don't think I would try that these days. Uh, That's probably a violation of several laws. Just just saying. In England, from the uh, medieval period up until the 1930s, people practiced the Christian custom of souling on Halloween, and that involved groups of soulers going from parish to parish, begging the rich for soul cakes in exchange for praying for the souls of the givers and their friends. In Scotland and Ireland, the whole house-to-house begging thing is called guising. There you go. A geyser is a child disguised in costume and goes from door to door for food or coins. Geising, done by geysers. Geising was recorded in Scotland at Halloween back in 1895, where masqueraders in disguise carrying lanterns made out of scooped out turnips visit homes to be rewarded with cakes, fruit, and money. The practice of geising at Halloween in North America is first recorded in 1911, where a newspaper in Kingston, Ontario, Canada, reported children going guising around the neighborhood. American historian and author Ruth Edna Kelly of Massachusetts, not that where she's from is important to this part of the story, but if you really need to know, she's from Massachusetts. She wrote the first book-length history of Halloween in the United States, titled The Book of Halloween in 1919. And in that, she references uh, souling in a chapter titled Halloween in America. Isn't that the name of the whole book? Come on, Edna, you're better than that. In her book, Kelly touches on customs that arrive from across the Atlantic. Quote, Americans have fostered them and are making this an occasion something like what it must have been in the best days overseas. All Halloween costumes in the United States are borrowed directly or adapted from those from other countries. Duh. Hey. While the uh, first reference to guising in North America occurred in 1911 up in Canada, another reference to the ritual of begging on Halloween appeared in Chicago in 1920. Now, the earliest known use in print of the term trick-or-treat appeared in a newspaper in Alberta, Canada in 1927. Those Canadians get everything first. Trick-or-treating wasn't really a widespread practice until sometime in the 1930s, and the first appearances of the term trick-or-treating appeared in the United States in 1934, and the first time it was ever used in a national publication was in 1939. Trick-or-treating has been going on strong ever since. Now, currently, the popular variant of trick-or-treating is known as trunk-or-treating, Uh, or Halloween tailgating. Times being what they are, many parents felt it was safer to uh, kind of corral the little geysers into a school or church parking lot 
and the parents would line their cars up, pop open the trunks, they might be decorated, and the little kids can go around from car to car and, and get their Halloween candy. So there you go. I think it's time for a break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about uh, the rest of Halloween decorations, candy, costumes, etc. So don't go anywhere. I'll be right back. Patty cake cookies. Patty cake cookies. Patty cake, baker, you're a famous man. Well, all I do is bake them just as good as I can. Why did you seek for Mr. Patty cake pan? I sample them, ladies, one from each pan. Children's Dutch oven. There's more in the oven. Hey, Mom! Put Patty cake cookies on your shopping list. Oatmeal, chocolate chip, and sugar mist. I'm seeing varieties on your market shelf. Why, they're so good, you're lucky I don't eat them all myself. Patty cake cookies how to satisfy them. Blue cellophane package, you can see what's in pie. What makes the taste of good patty pan? Well, to tell the truth, I sample them two from each pan. I don't know about you, but that uh, patty cake sounds like one scary dude. Holy Hannah, that voice... Do kids ever really eat those cookies? I'd have nightmares. All right, let's uh, let's get back to Halloween and decorations. So it's kind of important to remember that uh, Halloween is actually the celebration of lives gone by, and hence all the imagery of skulls and headstones and ghosts and skeletons, and that's why we have all those decorations. And in case you're wondering, the official colors of Halloween are orange, black, and purple. There you go. Orange, black, and purple, the official colors of Halloween. There's one Halloween decoration that has an interesting backstory. So if you'll allow me for the next couple of minutes here, and that's the jack-o'-lantern. It derives from a popular Irish Christian folktale and represents, quote, a soul who has been denied entry into both heaven and hell. And here's how the story goes. On his way home after a night of drinking, Jack encounters the devil and tricks him into climbing up a tree. Now, why the devil agreed to go up the tree? Who cares? Anyway, a quick-thinking Jack etched a sign of a cross into the bark, thereby trapping the devil in the tree. Jack strikes a bargain that Satan can never claim his soul. After a life of uh, sin and drinking, uh, Jack uh, dies and is refused entry into heaven. Now, keeping his promise, the devil also refuses to let Jack into hell and throws a live coal straight from the fires of hell at him, it was a cold night, so Jack places the coal in a hollowed-out turnip to stop it from going out, since which time Jack and his lantern had been roaming looking for a place to rest. There you go. The jack-o'-lantern is searching for a place to rest. Now it's just full of Snickers bars. I keep mentioning the carved turnips. Uh, that's because in Ireland, Scotland, that's what they use traditionally. But when the immigrants came to America, they saw the gigantic pumpkins on the ground and said, Hey, those are bigger and easier to carve. Now we carve pumpkins, not turnips. As far as decorations go, I've never really understood Halloween decorations. I mean, I know some people go full bore. They got the gigantic haunted house and all the stuff and smoke and noises and sound effects and lightning that goes with it. I'm talking about the houses that have like that one sign that just says boo um, or just one little gravestone marker. I Do you think the sign says boo and someone's walking up to the front porch and sees that sign then ah, we can't go in there we need go away their sign says boo 
Um, you know, more power to them for doing that. I just don't get those those decorations. And then there's the people who think it's funny to sit down on the chair on the front porch and sit real still until the little uh, geysers come up to ring the doorbell and then jumps out at them and they run away screaming. Uh, I've seen a lot of YouTube videos where the parents that are with the kids end up punching that person in the face. Uh, I say you deserved it. And costumes. There's a moneymaker. As the concept of trick-or-treating grew in popularity, uh, back in the 1930s, uh, A.S. Fishbach, Ben Cooper Incorporated, and a couple other firms began mass-producing Halloween costumes for sale in stores for uh, trick-or-treaters. Shoppers plan to spend an average of about $86 this year on Halloween, and that's between costumes, candy, and scary stuff for the yard. Their record was set in 2017, where Americans spent $9.1 billion on Halloween stuff. So the kids are all dressed up in their Cinderella costumes, or their stormtroopers, or the people with the knife through the head, all carrying their plastic jack-o'-lanterns in search of a place to rest. What are they really after? Let's cut to the chase. It's the treasure chest. It's the candy. Trick-or-treaters, I mean geysers, have a built-in radar. They know exactly which house is handing out the good stuff. But I'm going to save you parents some uh, some time and, and disappointment for kids. Here's the stuff that nobody wants on Halloween. First up, bubblegum or lollipops. Nobody wants those things. Those are the first things that go in the trash when the kids get home. Next, raisins. Nobody wants anything healthy for Halloween. Okay, ditch the raisins. The next thing you don't want to hand out are boxes of Good and Plenty. Good and Plenty is the oldest candy brand in the United States, and the only people who like Good and Plenty are the people who like licorice, which do not include kids. Sorry. Next, just say no to malt balls, unless your trick-or-treater is over 50 years old. And the number one worst candy in 2019 is candy corn. I love candy corn. Sad. And according to CandyStore.com, what are the top five candies to hand out this year? Well, number five is M&M's, a classic. Number four, break me off a piece, that Kit Kat bar. Number three, Twix. Don't understand that one. Number two are Snickers bars. And the number one candy to hand out on Halloween, if you want the most success from your little geysers, it's Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. Now, let's not ignore the 500-pound pandemic in room, COVID-19. This entire podcast may be a moot point. I don't know if there's going to be a Halloween this year or not. So, if there is, just be safe. That's all I'm asking. I think it's time to wrap things up. What have we learned? We learned that trick-or-treaters are called geysers because they come to your house in disguises. We learned that jack-o'-lanterns have a dark past. And lastly, we learned that Doug needs more announcers. That's it for episode 12. Don't forget, you can apparently follow me on that Instagram machine thing. It's uh, 20MYNGB. And if you want to email me, you can do that at Doug, D-O-U-G, at 20MinutesPodcast.com. That's the number 20 and then the word MinutesPodcast.com. Alrighty, that will wrap up episode 12. Thank you very much for listening, and I will talk to you next time here on 20 Minutes. You'll never get back. Bye-bye.
Hi, it's me again, Doug. I want to take up a couple more seconds of your time just to remind you, if you want to stay informed of when uh, the next podcast is posted, all you need to do is sign up at uh, on that Instagram machine. It's at 20MYNGB, 20MYNGB, and that means 20 minutes you'll never get back. Uh, if you sign up there, you'll uh, always see when the next podcast is uploaded. And if you want to leave some comments, by all means, please do go to the uh, website at 20minutespodcast.com. So it's 20minutespodcast.com. And uh, you can uh, leave your comments there. It also tells you how you can be an announcer for the show. So take, take a look at those two things if you'd like and stay informed. And I'll, as always, thank you very much for listening to uh, 20 Minutes You'll Never Get Back. Bye-bye.